Welcome to the Scarlet Blue and You podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Lauren Yass, your Scarlet Blue and You host and the HLGU Alumni Director. I'm coming to you from the Burt Studio on our beautiful HLGU campus. And speaking of Burt's, my special guest today is Mrs. Catherine Burt, one of the great people that this studio is actually named after. So welcome, Mrs. Burt. Thank you very much. It's great to be here with you. Oh, and I will always call you Mrs. Burt because I was going you, to say, you were my teacher. I was going to say, please call me Catherine, <laughs> and then I realized there's no way you're ever going to do that. <laughs> you so, will always be Mrs. Burt. You know, call me Hey You, whatever. That's so. right. That's right. So she taught in the HLGU English department for over 30 years, and then you retired in 2013. Uh, and you were also our first lady, wife of President Emeritus, Dr. Woodrow Burt. And you guys are still on campus. You come back for events. And we do. And uh, you, know, you come back for a podcast, so it's great. We love seeing you. And uh, you're one of my English experts. You're the official editor of the annual HLGU Alumni Magazine, and our goal in the office is to always see less red every year. And I think we've done that. Like, like we've gotten better with our commas. And I think you all do a great <laughs> job, and now I'm feeling horrible guilt no. for even using a red pen. No, but. it's a goal. No, it's so easy to see red when it's black and white. Well, you, you all are always so gracious to me, and Lauren pays me in book recommendations, so this right. is going to be right. lots of fun. Whenever we see each other in uh, Walmart, Aldi, at a restaurant, we can get a little caught up and talking about books. We can, and it's always fun. It is. So that is exactly why she is here today. It's a new year. Maybe you've made a resolution to read more, which I totally think is a great resolution. And we are here to help you. So you have an English expert, Mrs. Burt, and somebody who just loves to read, which is me. And we are rolling out the Burt Yaus book list for 2022. <laughs> I feel like we need thunder. Like <laughs> I do. <laughs> I wish our sound sound? guy could do effects. I know. We need to get some of those buttons. You bet. You bet. (laughs) I love it. All right. So we each brought five books, and we're going to recommend them. And Mrs. Burt, would you like to begin? Yes, I'd be happy to. And thank you again for having me today. The first book I want to talk about, as briefly as I can, is a book by Jane Austen. This is really considered a classic She wrote it in 1796 and 97 when she was only 21 years old, and she had already actually written a lot of other things by that time, uh, juvenile literature. But uh, this gives her perspective as a young woman in the latter part of the 18th century in England. So what's the situation here? Well, the situation has to do with marrying off daughters. Um, (laughs) A lot of daughters. A lot of daughters. Um, At this time period, women did not work. The only jobs open were um, companions and governesses and that kind of thing. And if if a young woman was not um, suited for that, then she was kind of uh, up a creek without a paddle. So it was was a bad situation for her. She might have been an old maid. Might have been an old maid, (laughs) which was not a good situation because for life, that old maid would be a burden to her father until he died and then to a nephew a brother some male in the family to take care of her yes so nobody wanted that So of course you are talking about the classic pride and prejudice this is the classic this is not pride and prejudice and zombies this is (laughs) pride and prejudice the original so this is a story of the bennett family who have not just one daughter but five daughters to marry off ideally 
to a man with money. So these are the original gold diggers. Oh, yeah. Um, It has one of the most famous opening lines in all of literature. And here's that line. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. It is a good, a good just opening line. Oh, I wonder if she took a while or if it just came very naturally. That is a great question. And I, I wish Jane were Austen here. were sitting in this seat right here so we could ask her that question. But the line is funny. It's ironic because it's not given from the man's viewpoint. He's not necessarily mm-hmm. needing a wife, wanting a wife. This is from the view of Mrs. Bennett, the silly absurd, loud, overbearing mother of five daughters whom she can hardly wait to get married off. (laughs) Unfortunately, she does more harm than good and offends people left and right. But at any rate, she's a character of humor. So the first thing I would love to do is just tell you the whole plot and enjoy that with you. Such a good story. I know you've read it, Um, but that's not what we're here for. So um, why do I like this book? Well, I have two main reasons. One, the sharp wit, the insightful view of society, and the occasional snarkiness of Jane Austen. Uh Sometimes she uses biting sarcasm that's just as modern as anything that you would hear today. I mean, she can cut you down in five words. Amazing. That that would maybe be the the pride and prejudice part. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Second is her fantastic sparkling development of characters Mm -hmm. these characters are unique they're unforgettable they seem real and i just want to mention three although let's let's face it i'll probably get crazy and mention five but anyway first is elizabeth bennett she is not the oldest daughter not the first one that's supposed to be married off but she is well she doesn't become the first one but at any rate she is the one who is the central focus of the novel she is not the typical 18th century heroine Mm -hmm. she is outspoken she gets a little of that from her mother but she's not as um, crazed as her mother is not silly you're right you're right um She's not the the typical person. She will walk through the fields in her good shoes. She doesn't care. Um, But most importantly, the difference between her and many other young women of her day is that she is determined not to marry for economic reasons or out of obligation, but to marry for love. And like the author Jane Austen, she would rather be single than marry Mm -hmm. into a loveless marriage. So that was that. She's such a great character. I think so too. What do you like about her? Uh, I she she's a strong woman, and you maybe don't think of strong women in that time. And yeah, independence and and yeah, she just kind of says what she's thinking. She does. And my, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in the book is toward the end when she tells off Lady Catherine oh, de Bourgh. Yeah, that's a great scene. Who, who has told her, you know, leave my nephew alone. Yeah. But it, it's a great speech. And she, you're right, she's a very strong woman. Secondly is Mr. Darcy. Um, The first time I ever taught the Jane Austen class here, I walked into a classroom filled with, guess what, only girls. Uh And um, a couple of them were sitting toward the front in shirts that said, I heart Mr. Darcy. A couple of them? A couple, (laughs) yes. And so I knew that they knew what the content of the course would be. So what is Mr. Darcy? He is tall. (laughs) He is dark. He is handsome. And... 
best of all for this novel, he is rich. Very fact, rich. He is filthy rich. He has, according to Jane Austen, 10,000 pounds a year. He is the richest of any man in any of the Jane Austen books. So he is, in other words, he's a prime target for her mother's <laughs> plotting. Um, so the title is Pride and Prejudice. These two misjudge each other from the start. When they meet, they take an instant dislike to each other. Um, and the whole title applies to both of them because their uh-huh. relationship goes downhill fast. From a bad and awkward start, it just gets worse right. and worse and worse. So here's the question. He would be an ideal match because he will save the family from destitution. I mean, she even if some of her sisters don't marry, he could support not only her but any unmarried sisters. Um, so the question in the novel, can they get together? Can Jane Austen pull this off to get these two disparate souls who don't even like each other uh, <laughs> right. down the aisle? Will it happen? I cannot say. <laughs> right, right. Because we're the, not, no spoilers here. No spoilers. And the final character is Mr. Collins. Ah, you Mr. gotta love him. Oh, you you gotta he's love so him. Outrageous he's, he's so outrageous that he's lovable. So outrageous and so awkward. Um, I've just described him before as a ridiculous clergyman who is an idiot and doesn't know it there you go that's that's him in a box but everyone else <laughs> does the most one of the funniest scenes in the whole book is his proposal to elizabeth bennett he thinks he's doing a favor he's going to inherit the land because he's a relative of her family and so he thinks he's doing elizabeth a favor by proposing and it's just absurd and she gives him a wonderful rebuff and mm, that's it that's so that's stuff. that's my first book that i said way too much i'll make the other shorter okay but that's okay because it's a classic and it's a great way to start second book i'd like to recommend is one of my favorite books ever it's right up there with one that you're going to discuss in okay. a few minutes. But this is the Guernsey Literary and Potato Field Pie Society. And if I'm not mistaken, you recommended I, this book I to me. I have read this one. It's yes. fantastic. Um, I love it. As soon as I finished it, I could hardly wait to find another book by the author. But there was not one. Uh, there will never don't be you one. Hate that? Because Marianne Schaefer died while writing the book, and she enlisted her niece before she died, um, Annie Barrows, to complete it. Oh, so that's there were, tragic. It's tragic. There'll never be another one. This is a historical novel published in 2008. Um, it deals with World War II and slightly after. Um, in that book, 1946 is the present, but there are lots of flashbacks mm-hmm. that tell the story um, from 1940 to 1946, and the setting is the island of Guernsey in the English Channel. So what's their situation? There are actually two stories going on here. <clears throat> First is the struggle of the people on the island of Guernsey during five horrible years of German occupation during the Second World War. It particularly focuses on one group of people who bonded together through sharing books during this time of violence, loss of freedom, and near starvation. The second story is the one that begins in 1946, after the war. And this is the one about Juliet Ashton. She's a young London journalist who learns about the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie (laughs) Society literary, literary group in 1946, a year after the war is over. She visits them after being, um, getting acquainted with them through letters. And eventually she becomes part of their story. It's such a good book. It's such a good I book. I hear you talking about it, and I'm like, I need to read that again. Oh. So good. So why do I like it? 
Why did you like it? I loved that every chapter was a different person's perspective. And how did the author do that? Oh, it it was so good. They were through uh, letters, yeah. right? And and some of them were so silly, and some of them were, were, were short and to the point, and some just were so flowery. And But you could just tell the personalities. I, I could not get over the gift that the author had for doing that, mm-hmm. for creating characters through letters. It was amazing. So why I like it first, it's fascinating. A very moving plot, and I love the way that the author peels it like an onion, one layer at a time mm-hmm. as you're trying to figure out some things that are a, a bit mysterious. But... Uh, This plot is never rushed, and it's never too slow. It's just perfect. Second thing I like is the way the character develops, um, the central character, Mm -hmm. who is really not on the scene very much. The author does a great job of tying all the other characters together as based on the, the relationship they had with this one particular character whose name was Elizabeth. And we don't really meet Elizabeth as much as we meet the other characters, but still she's the pivot point in the whole novel, and we know a lot about her. Um, Third reason I like it, details about the Second World War that I had never even heard of. Did you know that the English island in the middle of the channel, Um, Guernsey, was occupied? I think I can honestly say I didn't know Guernsey existed (laughs) before I read this book. It was very sad. I had to Google it. I think my total information was that there were cows named Guernsey cows and that was the end of that but yeah such a great book it's entertaining and it's heartfelt and finally I love it because the characters seemed real Mm -hmm. no stereotypes they were all quite interesting they don't over talk they Mm -hmm. say a lot in a few words and sometimes it's what they don't say that that really tells the story and as you said, they all have heart-wrenching, heartwarming stories. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a great thing. The last thing I'll say is about the title. Yeah. I have to be honest, the title made me want to read it. I know, it's cute. It is, it's really cute, and it makes it sound like it's a funny, flippant book, and it is anything but right. that. I mean, it has lighthearted moments, but it's... Yeah. Uh, it's There's a, a few World War II books on, yes. on our list because they're just so good right now. Oh, yes, and <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say a little bit about the last one. Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. Which I have not read. So oh. this is going on my list. 1938. And if you don't read Rebecca or if you do and want another one by her, I also recommend Frenchman's Cove and My Cousin Rachel. Okay. All really good books. So this is a book from 1938. It's a gothic thriller. Ooh. It has another great opening line, just like Pride and Prejudice okay. did. Last night I dreamed of Manderley. And this lets us know from the beginning that Manderley, the setting for most of the novel, no longer exists because it exists only in her dreams. Mm-hmm. So the whole story is going to be flashback, and it's about a protagonist who is never named. She marries an older, wealthy Englishman, Mr. De Winter, whose first wife, Rebecca, died a year earlier by accidental drowning. The body is never found. So the protagonist becomes the new Mrs. De Winter, takes up residence at Manderley, her husband's elegant estate on the English coast. As she learns more about the first Mrs. De Winter, especially from the housekeeper that had adored her, the new wife begins to feel inferior to the first wife and even believes that her husband still loves his dead first wife. Okay, so something unexpected happens. The first wife's body is found off the seacoast, and then questions arise about her death. 
Oh, okay. And about her husband. So, what do I like about that book? Dreamy, creepy atmosphere. Sounds creepy. Truly gothic. After the midpoint, there's a huge shift in the view of what's real and what's not. Are the protagonist's perceptions the truth, or has she misinterpreted everything? And finally, it's a thrill ride with a dramatic, explosive ending. ending. Okay, that's going on my list. Okay, then you should read Love Does by Bob Goff. Okay. Like that was 2012. And this is like your nonfiction. Pick. This is nonfiction, Christian development, advice for the Christian life. This is a jewel of a book with an equally great sequel called Everybody Always that came out in 2018. And I've it's heard great. of Bob Goff. People have told me to get him for a booster banquet. Super positive. He says, love is never stationary. In the end, love doesn't just keep thinking or planning. Simply put, love does. So if you want to read a great, upbeat book, read that. Then, finally, another fiction, Where the Crawdads Thing by mm, Delia Owens. I have read that one. You've read great. that one. Romance, mystery, historical fiction. Interesting book with a dual plot. Yeah, and I like it, too, because it's set in the in the South, and you just feel like you are in the American South. You do. You like really do. Like, he paints a beautiful picture of those bayous, oh. and uh, what are the boats with the big wind things on it? They're probably called wind boats. The, I don't know. The big... You know the oh the shallow boats with the big wind turbine on the back and they oh I know what you're talking yeah. about I can see it I can see the one that went <laughs> okay, by and so I've saw described her. Yeah. it but yes those are all in the book yes and yeah, I'm sorry I took way too much time please tell me your five books <laughs> no you did not take too much time because now I have new books for my list okay so my books my first is uh, a nonfiction and I believe it's also one of your favorites which is the Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. And it's the only nonfiction book on my list. Uh, I do not typically love nonfiction, but this reads like fiction because it is extraordinary. So it's the true story of Corey Ten Boom, a Dutch watchmaker. She's the heroine of the resistance, a survivor of Hitler's concentration camps, and one of the most remarkable evangelists of her time. So during World War II, she and her family risked their lives to help Jews and underground workers escape the Nazis, and they were eventually found out and sent to death camps. And again, I'm not going to do any spoilers because it's such a fantastic book, um, but she has such faith, and but she's so human. Like, she, she also uh, kind of doubts and ponders and questions, but then she sees God being faithful, and she's so good to notice when he is answering her prayers and when he is being faithful. So it's one of these books that I go back and read every three or four years. Uh, The awesome thing is, since it is nonfiction, you can get on the Internet and see photos of her, photos of her home where she hid these people. And that's on my bucket list is to go visit that in, in the Netherlands. But such a good book. Is there any particular part of that book that really stands out to you? You and I were talking about this, yeah. the, the fleas. Like yeah. she hates the fleas in the concentration camp. And uh, and then God uses the fleas. Yeah. And she sees that. And yeah. she's just like, God, I, I do thank you for the fleas. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's, a, it's, it's one of my very favorite book. books, I have to say. Yeah. Yes. And I'm I'm ashamed that it took me so long to read it because it was nonfiction. And I wasn't interested, but we read it in my book club. And oh, it's awesome. now it's on my top five list. Easy. Yeah. My second book is another one of the books that oh. you and I just love. It's, I just have to say, this is one of my all time favorite <sighs> books, too. I here. love it so much. Have at it. Okay. It's a man called, and I will say Uva, but some people say Ove. 
It's by Frederick Bachman. Uh, I actually listened to the audio version of this book, uh, and it was excellent. And they pronounced it Uva, but it's O-V-E. And uh, Frederick is, what, from the Netherlands? And he writes in his own language and then has them translated. And it it's still fantastic. Fantastic, like, yes. So it's a fiction book about a very angry old man named <laughs> Uva. <laughs> and it's a thoughtful exploration of the profound impact one life has on countless others. Oh. Even when they're not trying. Oh, my. It's so good. It's just all the feels. You'll laugh. You'll cry. Sometimes a, on the same page. That's right. There's a yes. cat in the book, and I am a sucker for a cat. Yes. And it is an unfortunate cat. <laughs> so and he hates cats. He, he hates ha- cats. Well, he's old and angry. He hates everything. <laughs> okay, I have to tell you this. After I read this book, and again, I think you recommended this I book think to I me. Probably you did. did. After I read this book, like one chapter in, I wanted to throw it against the wall <laughs> because so I nasty. was so unhappy with that grumpy old man. <laughs> but then it's just you know, and he gets the cat. He hates cats, <sighs> but he adopts the cat. I mean, there's just so much. It's so there's so much, and it it is the only book that I can recall since you know that I was you know five and reading like Dr. Seuss that I actually read, and then immediately reread. Like, I did not read another book in between. I immediately started it over because I loved it that much. And and then I made my parents read it. And I, it's such a good book. So, A Man Called Uva by Frederick Bachman. Uh, my third book is a young adult historical fiction book. I would call it more young adult, but it's also classified as historical fiction. And it's called The Wednesday Wars by Gary D. Schmidt. And uh, this was really fun because it's about hauling hoodhood. And he's got a problem. It's 1967, and he's just started seventh grade. And his teacher, Mrs. Baker, hates his guts. And those are his words, not mine. <laughs> Every <laughs> Wednesday afternoon, half of the kid in Hollings class go to Hebrew school, and the other half go to catechism school. And so he is the only Presbyterian in the class, and he has to stay behind with his teacher, Mrs. Baker. And so Mrs. Baker does not get her afternoon off like she should, so she makes him read Shakespeare alone outside of class. Oh, wow. And so I don't love Shakespeare, but this book may I, oh, she just sat up straight. (laughs) (laughs) But this book will make you love Shakespeare. So it follows a year in Holling's life, a year of Wednesdays with Mrs. Baker and life in general. It's 1967, so his sister wants to be a flower child. His father owns an architecture firm called Hood Hood and Associates and sees Holling as his future to inherit the business. There are rats, like literally rats. There are cream puffs. This book will make you fat. You will want cream puffs all the time. Uh, There's telegrams and baseballs and tights with feathers and atomic bomb drills because it is 1967. Um, It just hits you in all the right places. It's, It's about how people surprise you, sometimes in good ways, sometimes in bad ways. And it's about heroes. And it's so good. And... You know, it's a confusing time in the 60s. He's in seventh grade, which all of us know is not an easy age. And it's about learning uh, who you are and deciding what kind of person you're going to be. So it's a great book. You know, I was very much alive in 1967. In fact, should I admit this? I was in college in 1967. So I need to read that book it's to a see that perspective book. on the year. Yeah, and have a cream puff. Absolutely. I'll I'll make sure to have one of those on hand. (laughs) Good. So my fourth book is Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers. And it's a historical fiction. Such a good book. In fact, the movie is coming out next month, I think. 
Um, but it's loosely based on the Bible story of Hosea and Gomer, which Hosea is told by God to marry Gomer, a prostitute, and to, to be faithful to her and to have a family with her. And so this is just a portrait of God's love for us and his willingness to always love us no matter what. So it's set in the mid-1800s California gold rush, which is way fun to begin with. And so Michael Hosea is a solid Christian, and God has called him to marry Angel, this beautiful prostitute who has so much baggage and so many problems. She is, she is a very broken person, and he's supposed to love her unconditionally. And slowly, day by day, um, he defies Angel's every bitter expectation until, despite her resistance, her frozen heart begins to thaw. Isn't that nice? Oh. So this book just really helped me understand uh, the story of Hosea in the Bible in a whole different way. Because I don't know about you, but when you just read the story of Hosea, oh. you're like, Gomer, what is wrong with you? He rescued you. Stay with him. But she keeps going back to her old life. And with this book, you just learn compassion for her. And I think you can just see see us as the Gomer and Absolutely. and Jesus and, and God as, yeah. as Hosea. And so it's, it's a fantastic book. I have to agree. And what a powerful story. Mm. Powerful in scripture, powerful in fiction based yeah. on scripture. It's, it's a great story. Yeah, so fun book. And and it's it's it doesn't cross the line. I, I don't like books that get into explicit love scenes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this, she handles that so well like she doesn't gloss over it like there's trauma there's awful things but she just does it in a in a very good way so very nice so yes i would recommend this for anyone to read sure. like it's not i don't think anyone would not would get not their a toe stepped on. exactly yeah. exactly uh and then my last pick is winter garden by Kristen hannah have you read winter garden? i have not oh okay oh i can't wait so, Winter Garden is another World War II book. Like, they're just so hot right now. I'm reading a World War II book right now. I'll tell you about it later. Okay. Go ahead. Yes, yes. Not on the podcast. You'll have to come back exactly. for that. So, this is a historical fiction. It's a book about sisters. It's a book about mothers and daughters. It's World War II. It's Russia. It's a fairy tale. It goes back and forth from World War II to present day. It's got all the good stuff. And Kristen Hanna is such a great historical author. So Anya is a Russian immigrant who moves to the United States after marrying her American husband. Uh, she is a very hard woman who shows no love to her daughters, Meredith and Nina, throughout their entire lives. And she, she is the one who grew up during World War II. So, uh, so her husband, Evan, who kind of holds the family together, and he does love the girls very much, kind of makes up for their lack of love from the mother, suffers a stroke and is not expected to live. So he makes Anya promise to finish the fairy tales that she would occasionally tell to her daughters when they were young. And so through, <laughs> this isn't very Southern Baptist, but through shots of whiskey and a lot of prodding, <laughs> Anya slowly opens up to her daughters and begins to tell the Russian fairy tale of a handsome prince and a black knight. And as the story goes on, Meredith and Nina realize that perhaps this isn't just a fairy tale. This could actually be the key to learning of their Russian mother's past. And it's it's so good. It's an emotional, tough read. And I would say what World War II book is not. They That's are not easy books. Very true. So this one, don't expect to 
to not have bad things going through your head now and again with this one. Uh, but it has all the feels, has the great character development. I've heard some people say that the beginning is a little slow. I did not find that. I mm-hmm. found it fascinating from go. Uh, but Winter Garden by Kristen Hanna, I would totally recommend it. Sounds wonderful. Mm. All right. This has been so fun. So we have given you 10 books. I will come up with a list to link with the podcast so that you can find them again. And we just thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Mrs. Burt, for joining us. Thank I you. Enjoyed it was truly a pleasure. Talking I loved literature it. with you. Yes. We still have an awesome English department. I know we you do. Have, you taught them. I did. I <laughs> so, did. so they they are carrying on your torch. Well, and uh, They are wonderful teachers and wonderful people, I have to say. So if you're looking for a college home, I recommend Hannibal LaGrange in the English department is for sure. superb. Yeah, it really is superb. And you would know because you taught them. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day.